It's good to see your faces. It's been a crazy uh, 2020, hasn't it? Do you remember the episodes of Twilight Zone? It just kind of seems that uh, there has been such a different time and so unusual that it reminds me of that. When I was a kid, I remember I loved that show. It had really neat, you know, different, strange, some kind of scary episodes. And this is the way it's been for 2020 so far. It's been kind of scary, hasn't it? been some fear, been uncertainty, been things that has gone on that I have in my lifetime that I've never seen that really has gone on. You know, when you look at this year, 2020 starting out, I'm going to give you a little, just a look, real quick rundown. January, February, rocked along there, got through the first of the year. I think March, we started noticing these things, didn't we? Uh, Jace was up uh, pig hunting with us. Zane was hanging out there. Philip, we're all, you know, having a good old time, and, and Jace had been talking about this COVID thing for a while, like January, and then when, when he come pig hunted, I think that's when really it started kind of coming down pretty hard. I think things were going to lock down. Carissa, I think at that time, had called and talked to Jace, and, and the lockdown started. And I think it was around probably, what, you know, March, into March going into there when things started getting a little crazy. So you probably have a lot of experiences that I don't know about and a lot of things that's happened with you with this COVID-19 that really has uncertainty, has fear, a lot of mixed emotions. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I am first time that I have come here and probably felt this nervous. I'm nervous right now. And I think it's because there are so many different opinions, so many different emotions about this thing that's going on. And so when you say something, you don't want to offend anyone at all. You want to not be about Brit Doty, not be about you, but be about God. And really, in the course of all things with this COVID, it's, it's, it gets, it's a distraction. And if we really think about that, this distraction sometimes will get us off course of what we must be doing spiritually. And I think it's tried me in my faith. I think it's tried me in my praying, in my studying, and everything. I, I think instead of trusting and going towards God, it seems like I have kind of went the other way, and, and it, I don't know if it's just like something ain't right, and there's this fear thing, but that went on for a while, and then Bonnie and I, I think we had a visit about this thing, and I'm, I'm like, Bonnie, I said, uh, man, I'm sick of this. <laughs> I'm tired of this. This is where I'm at, and it's not because I have a death wish, and it's not because I'm not going to practice caution, and I really appreciate the church members, the leaders here that have practiced caution in this. And I know it took effort, a great deal of effort in a time of difficulty. But my thing was this, was like, you know what? Worst case scenario is that we get COVID-19 and we pass on. And I'm okay with that. Not to say again that I have a death wish. I'm not going there at all. But if we are not ready to meet our maker, whether it's that or a car accident or anything else in this world, then our belief in our, our spirit part is something's wrong with that. So let's say we get there. Now we can take a little bit of stress off. If we did get it and we pass, we know we we're going to be right with God. That's the main thing. So in all the things that we're dealing with, if you have this uncertainty, you have this fear, you have these things going on, and you're trying to find good information maybe and, and figure out this thing, uh, what do we do? you got a lot of... Uh, mixed truths, you got lies, you got agendas that's being pushed, you got so many things that's going on in this deal that what do we believe? What do we trust? What is good information? 
And I appreciate so much our medical field. I appreciate those on front lines. I appreciate what you're going through. It's, just, it's, it's different, isn't it? You're having to start something that has never happened with new regulations and put it in place and try to go with it. A lot of uncertainty. So what do we trust in? 9-11, um, we were sitting under a 767 as I worked at American Airlines, and we just got through fueling it up. We had a, a fuel cart hooked up to put fuel in it, and there were some guys over on a toolbox, had a little TV set up, and they were watching it, and I walked over. We had a nice breeze, a pretty day, September, breeze coming out of the south, hangar doors are open. And I'm walking outside there, just getting some fresh air. I see the TV. We go over there and start talking. They said, terrorists just flew some airplanes into a building. That's what they're thinking it is. And so that started, didn't it? Look where we've come from then. There was changes. I remember cockpit doors, completely different now, in an airplane. A pilot that's in that cockpit has new regulations. That cockpit can be locked from the inside. There's things that went on with that TSA. New equipment to see, you know, guns or bombs or anything else that was coming through the lines of those people. Everything, the technology, everything that improved on that was good. We're going to get through this. COVID-19 is hard, but look at the technology that's going on. Things that's going to help, things that's going to improve. We will get through this. A lot of good things, a lot of good information and good things that will come out of this. But we have to uh, decipher, we have to filter, we have to go through, we have to find out what's right. There's a standard for us to follow with God. A rule of thumb. Trust man or God? Question mark. You know, when we go through and look at even the, the, the spiritual part of ourselves, we need to, if we see someone speaking on TV, if we look at pamphlets or books or someone telling us, start telling us things that's wrong and we don't know, and if we believe it, I want you to think about the power of suggestion, the power of persuasion that's going on right now. I believe our First Amendment, Second Amendment has been attacked more than I've seen in a very long time. Very long time. Unless we knew what's right in that, we wouldn't know the difference. It's the same for us, trust man or God. If someone comes up to you and starts talking to you about spiritual things and we're persuaded by the power of persuasion or suggestions or things, and like Garland's saying, I need a scripture on that. And that's where we must be. We must trust God. So why trust the word of God? Proverbs 30 and 5, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. I want to tell you something. This means more to me now than ever. God is pure. Everything that we're getting right now, all the bad information, all the lies, all the things that's going on, the agendas that's pushed because they want it their way, maybe some corruption. There's still one side of all the things that's going on that's still good, though. As we talked a while ago, the technology, the good things, part of that that will come out of that. But here's the difference in God and what's going on now is that every word of God is pure. That means more to me now than ever. 
He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Everything that we read about him, all the words about it, is no variation. There's no lies to it. God cannot lie. God has truth. And when he gives it to us, when we look at that somewhere, we're going to need to start putting trust in that and trusting that, believing in that. And one thought I had about this is when, when we are hearing God's word, is it belief that comes first or is it trust that comes first? You know, you think about that. Think about trust for a minute. When it comes to trust, you, we all have this deal about, and I'm probably anal about this, I, I have to know certain things are right on some things. If I have a part or something I'm working on, it needs to be right. And I'm looking at it, so I'm like, no, I don't trust this. I'll throw it down and get another part maybe. We get in a vehicle, Bonnie's car and I, we drive a 2005. It's, sometimes I really don't trust it. It's got high mileage. I wouldn't take off and go to... Main in it. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, probably going to fly. It's I don't trust it, but we have that, don't we? We think about that all the time. I really don't trust that. You know, I can think of a lot of examples, and I bet you can too. Whenever you're thinking about something, I've had this a long time, but but it still works. And you go buy a new one, you know, and you look at it, and it. I don't trust the new one. I trust this one. It still works. God's word works. It has always been right. It will always be right, and we can continue to trust it. This lesson is going to get in about trust and how we can help someone who possibly who was never raised up in the church. Think about this a minute. You were raised up in the church from a young man up. Your parents helped you along, uncles, aunts, loved ones, and believe in the Bible and believe in things about Jesus. What if you were someone who, what if we brought someone in the church and we wanted to teach them the gospel and they have never been to church? We've got a different situation, don't we? We need to talk and get them to a point where they can say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Where do you go with that? How do you do that? Can you, we'll talk about maybe scientific foreknowledge of the Bible. Can we talk about maybe the prophecies of the Bible? That's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this in the aspects of how to get someone to trust God also. We've got to get them to that God's word is pure and it's right. The Bible was inspired by God, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. When you think about one thing, I think we have to have that power of persuasion or suggestion is get people's mind into the Bible that it's not from man. It's not at fault. It is right. It's not a lie. And so once you start building that trust up, then you can start believing. If I turn on a TV and I see a polished guy who is sitting there teaching false doctrine because he looks good, he's tanned, he's got his nails done, he's got a thousand dollar Italian suit on and his hair has been done and he just looks so wonderful and he's preaching a pep rally sermon and everything looks right and then he starts spouting off false doctrine. I can't go there. Not going to trust that. Don't care how good it looks. And that's what we need to know. We need to know the scriptures that are right. These scriptures are inspired by God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction in our lives, that we can trust this. We can go and take this, and we can perfectly be furnished. You know, when you think about thoroughly furnished unto all good works, think about being thoroughly furnished in your home. You've got a chair, you've got a couch, you've got everything you need, don't you? Makes it nice, nice and comfortable, completely furnished. 
When we look at this and we're completely furnished unto all good works, we can see we can take this and we can live our, our life as a Christian. Inspired by God. Men moved by the Holy Ghost. 2 Peter 1.19 We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth into a dark place until the dawn of day and the day star arise in your hearts. Moved by the Holy Ghost. You think about the scriptures and the words that are being taught now. It's not by an agenda who says, I want this because I know that I'm going to profit from it. I want you to write these things. I don't care if it's lies. I don't care what it is. It's not man. This is God inspired. Men moved by the Holy Ghost. When we see this, it was God in their lives moving them to do the things that he wanted. This is what I want this to say. So these men were moved by the Holy Ghost, not their own personal opinions, not the things of the agenda just for them to be able to profit from financially, but moved by the Holy Ghost to do God's will. Men moved by the Holy Ghost, the Second Peter 1, 20 through 21 also says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is any, any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Trusting in God and not man. <clears throat> That's why we can, we can help someone and sit down with them and study with them. When we pray about that, I believe God starts working. I think God starts pulling. I think God gets involved with us, studying with people, being in, influential to people, the power of suggestion, the power of persuasion. Look at this and this continual study. There was a sermon that we heard from a man, and he talked about a, a, a wife and a husband. Husband was not a believer. Wife was a believer. And she talked to the preacher and, and said, I'm going to continue to pray about this, that my husband will believe that he'll become a Christian. And he will accept Christ in baptism. Never did happen in her lifetime. She passed. And in doing that, when she passed, the preacher noticed, though, that the husband started coming to church, sat on the back row. And then later on, he kind of made you know comment, a little small talk, got a little closer, was able to start studying, husband got baptized. And so, can you imagine that? In heaven one day, wife that has already passed will see her husband. And that's an awesome story. We can see where we can be influential on people and the power of prayer works wonders, the studies will work wonders, and it will do God's, God's will. The words were revealed by his spirit. If you've got a Bible, we've got some places here that we're going to study and read and get into some studies. <clears throat> Garland, we got any Kleenexes up here or any Kleenexes nearby? I've got to wipe my nose. I don't want to wipe it on my sleeve. Sorry about that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, it's allergies. <laughs> I talked to a guy yesterday, and I was helping him do a little plumbing. He got a haircut in the Metroplex there somewhere, and he's, they said that, uh, or he said when I walked in, they put something on his forehead and just popped his temperature, and so everything's changing. 
There's going to be a lot of changes. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 10. <clears throat> Here we go. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came with not excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world, and, and that, that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world uh, unto our glory, which none of these princes of the world knew, for had they known it, that they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all the things, yea, the deep things of God. I want to tell you something. I want to be led by, by people, by elders, by, by good men, women, who know the Scriptures, and we have been led by the Spirit. That's who I want to take my wisdom from, from and the truths. I'm not going to go out there in the world and get involved and take non-truths. I'm not going to get involved in the power of persuasion or suggestions when they're spouting off things that's not real and not truthful. I'm not going to believe in man when they're wrong. I'm going to believe in men who are right. And as far as us as Christians, we need to do that. We need to be having these things revealed by the Spirit. When it was revealed to them by the Spirit, and the Spirit's still working, they would reveal it also and talk about it to each other. It's going to be... Much, much better for us in our lifetime to be able to do that. And we can, we can take it to heart. We can put it in our heart. We can build trust. We can have that belief in this. When something in your gut says, this just don't seem right, and it has for a while, have you felt that? This, something ain't right. Probably more than likely something is not right. And I think that may be a, a, a big change and maybe that we've been experiencing. Anxieties, fears, uncertainty. Nobody likes change that, like this, it's this much change. But again, I think, now I talk to a lot of people and I'll just ask them, I say, what do you, tell me what you think about coronavirus. <laughs> and, and I get these answers over and over. It's not about us. I get that a lot. God's work has got to continue. Maybe different in some things we do in a lot of different areas, but the same things that we have always done, we still need to always do now. And I, I believe that's the, the past that we've done. We just continue being the present with it, and we take it to the future. We need to be led by good words of the Spirit from the Bible and continue on. Trust in the power of God. Every word of God is pure. It's what we've talked about so far. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, for the prophecy came not in the old by the will of man, we read that, but by holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Everything's superior to man, authority. It's spiritual. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. And we read in 1 Corinthians 2 and 5 that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
know, when you think about the Bible, I think we can see the continuity of it, the unity of it. You think about the scriptures and taking us from Genesis to, to Revelations in the Bible. And that's what we have to go on that Old Testament through the, into the New. Genesis 3, 24. So he drove out the man when man sinned there. And he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. This really never dawned on me until I look at these scriptures and find the continuity, the unity of the Bible. We can see that that tree of life kept there to be, to be guarded. Here's the continuity of it. Revelations 2 and 7. Jesus talking to the churches. He said to one of them there, he said, He that hath an ear, let him hear that the Spirit, what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. From man being driven out, until the end, you overcome sin. You be a child of God. You live out your life. And if you sin and you mess up, you continue on. You repent and you make it right with God. Because when you do, in heaven, that tree is still there. It's still in the midst of the paradise of God. Why such harmony? Second Peter 1 and 3 According as divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him, and that hath called us the glory and virtue. We see harmony in the scriptures, the divine power, things that will help us to be able to trust in. We also think about scientific foreknowledge of the Bible. Sean and Zane was there one time hunting with us. Uh, Real dark skies, and Sean was able to point out some stars there that the Bible talks about. And that was neat. It talks about it in Job. And it was cool, because what we find out now in, in, in the scientific foreknowledge was that the Bible already knew about it thousands of years ago, talked about it. And then later on, scientists went, oh yeah, that's right. And so we have this foreknowledge. Some of the foreknowledge here that are scriptures that I have is roundness of the earth. You know, that was a big debate for a long time. Earth's flat and what have you. So Isaiah 40, 22, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. You think about that. You think about this roundness. You think about God looking down on this roundness and us as grasshoppers. We see the magnificent God that is there, the power that he has, and this is who we trust in. This is who we know that's going to give us the right words to live by, the truth, the things that we are in need of. He's sitting on the roundness of the earth, and we are like grasshoppers to him. That is, that is pretty awesome. Scientific foreknowledge. You know, when we think about sitting down with someone and reading scriptures to, the, to them, and we get them into these scriptures and start looking at this scientific foreknowledge, and we can ask questions like, well, how did the Bible know this then and then we have scientists today who say well you know that Bible's true and so we can bring that interest in scientific foreknowledge of the Bible is the suspension of the earth Job 26 and 7 he stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing you look off back to the north a lot less stars in it that empty place so we see God working, putting things there that he knew that man would look at later on. These scriptures were written for a reason. 
and its influence, a lot of it. Springs and the seas, Job 38, 16. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Currents of the sea, Psalms 8 and 8. The fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. Over and over, a lot of areas in the Bible that we can look and see God saying things that, and him all-knowing, knew that people would be looking at thousands of years away. The ability of prophecy or not. This is where, to me, it, it gets a little mind-boggling. It gets very interesting. Isaiah 41, 21 through 24. Produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, saith the king of Jacob. Let them bring them forth and shew us, and what shall happen? Let them shew the former things what they be, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them, or declare us things to come. Shew the things that are to come hereafter, that ye may know that ye are gods, yea, do good and or do evil, that we may be dismayed and behold it together. Behold, ye are nothing, and your work of naught, an abomination is he that chooseth you. You know, in these scriptures and these challenges here, from the Lord is that Israel, outside of Israel, and those nations having these false gods, and that challenge was that produce something. So to overthrow that faith, we need to see proof. We need to see evidence. And they couldn't produce it. They were trying to have these gods that would help them to grow crops and to overcome these things and to have faith in it, and it would never happen because it wasn't there. Those abilities to prophesy like the true God was not there. God prophesying things that was going to happen 200 years before those dates. 400 years before those dates. The prophecy from Isaiah 53 until Christ actually was crucified. We see the ability and the power of persuasion here is in a true way. Things that we can take to heart. Things that we can trust. Things that we know if this world just goes south on us, that we can be okay. Because we have prophecies that says that we have Christ, a Redeemer that came to die for us. A true prophecy. Fulfilled prophecies in the Bible is something that we can build faith and belief by going to those Old Testament stories and reading. Isaiah 42, 8-9, I am the Lord... That is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are to come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I'll tell you of them. Listen to the confidence. Listen to the, the truth of this that we can build on. Examples of prophecy. If you've got a Bible again, turn to Isaiah chapter 13. Isaiah 13, in the first verse, kind of announces who's doing this. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amoz, did see. God giving these prophets the ability to be able to prophesy. Using them to be able to see things that was going to happen as far as the fall of Babylon 200 years before it ever occurred. In verse 17, it says here, Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them, which shall not regard silver, and as far as Go, they shall not delight in it. 
Their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eye shall not spare children. In Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their foe there, but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and the owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there, and the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolation houses, and the dragons in their pleasant palaces, and her time is near to come and her days shall not be prolonged. The beautiful, the powerful nation of Babylon, and it was declared 200 years before the fall. So we can see the power of God working through these prophecies and seeing things happening throughout the Bible to show his wisdom that we can trust in. Another prophecy of Egypt falling, and that is in Isaiah chapter 19. Chapter 19 and verse 1. The burden of Egypt. Behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud, and shall come into Egypt, and the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence. And the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst of it. And I will set the Egyptians against the Egyptians, and they shall fight everyone against his brother, and everyone against his neighbor, city against city, and kingdom against kingdom. And the spirit of Egypt shall fail in the midst thereof. And I will destroy the counsel thereof, and they shall seek to the idols, and to the charmers, and to them that have familiar spirits, and do the wizards. And the Egyptians will I give over into the hand of a cruel lord. And a fierce king shall rule over them, saith the Lord, and the Lord of hosts. So again we see God in control, and the prophecies being prophesied before it ever happened. A, a civil war basically went on there, more so than the outside forces. A prophecy of Christ. The man that we believe in, who died on that cross, and his suffering and dying for the world, Isaiah 53, chapter 1. Excuse me, 53, verse 1. <clears throat> You know, when you think about these prophecies, and this is where it gets a little mind-boggling for, and we'll get to it here shortly in a moment, about Christ telling his disciples that looking in the past and him in the present telling them what's going to happen in the future. And so if you're omni and you're all-knowing and you can do that, and so that's where, to me, it starts past, present, and future. It gets, to me, a little bit crazy in the head. It's... That's God, and that's who we believe in. That's who we tr put our trust in. He has that ability. Chapter 53, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet 
we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. As we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord shall have laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the uh, land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, and shall by righteousness serve, a righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. You know, when you read this scripture, you see this prophecy of Christ before it ever happened. Again, <clears throat> knowing that there was going to be someone years ago that's going to read it and look back on it. And Christ was going to be able to take that and also use it for his disciples to teach with. Amazing. The prophecy of Christ, it helps us to believe. It helps us to trust. It helps someone who's never been raised up in the church and we're studying with, we can read that to them and, and help influence them from God's word. So this prophecy concerning Christ, Luke 24, 44, and 46. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake to you, Christ speaking, while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled. Talking about these scriptures and these prophecies in 53. Must have been fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. This is where it gets to be just God. Looking at the past, talking in the present, telling them about the future. It's amazing that you're able to educate this way and say this is what's going to happen now. This has got to be fulfilled. Prophecies concerning me. Prophecies concerning Christ goes on. It says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Have you ever thought about how a man can sit there and go to a cross, be beaten, spat upon, ridiculed, not treated fairly in trials, and never say a word. And I get all messed up in things of this lifetime and, and gripe like crazy. You know why? Because sometimes I don't trust. I, this is why Christ can do that. Because he knew his father was going to raise him up from the dead. The same way, same way Abraham did with Isaac. He was going to, to kill his son. He knew that God would raise him up. I don't have that kind of faith sometimes. I don't have that trust. 
That's where I fail so many times. The trust that I need to have, knowing that if I go to the grave, I will rise up the way Christ did. And we need to have that same kind of trust when it comes to Christ. He knew that he was going to raise from the dead. That's how come he didn't open his mouth. The power of God was going to raise him up. Christ taught to his disciples the gospel in Luke 24 and 47. And he says here, And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So we see that that repentance, that gospel, prophesied, Christ took it, taught the disciples, and when Christ died and was crucified, what happened? The disciples started preaching the same thing. Acts 2 and 38, when Jesus told Peter, Peter, you'd go and show them the direction that they need to go on. Help them to be strong. When you think about that word and translate that word strong in those scriptures, it was to help them to have strength, rather, excuse me, help them go in the right direction, point them in the right direction. And that's what Peter did in Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's been handed down. It was handed down to Christ. Christ taught it to his disciples, and we are still teaching it for our children. The evidence of faith or no faith. You know, when we read scriptures and we look at these scriptures and we read this, somewhere we've got to believe. Somewhere we've got to trust. Where is it that when, if we read it, if we're studying with someone, if someone was really having a hard time just saying, and then, you know, we're not talking about a tool or something or a car. We're talking about the Word of God. And we're looking at this. Maybe it's the preacher up there that's talking. I don't know. Is it the Word of God? But where do we start saying, that's right? That's the right thing to do. We have this standard, this rule. I either believe in it or I do not. We either have faith, we have evidence of faith, or we do not. Romans 10 says in 16 and 17, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. They're still talking about Sias and, and what happened in 53 there. For they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Sias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we either have evidence in our hearts, in this trust builds and belief, or not. The evidence of no faith. Here's one example. Acts 26 and 27 through 28, King Agrippa. Believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And you know, I can just see the higher-ups, politically, the pride, and everything else getting in the way. Do you believe? I know you believe. Almost. If you'll take your Bible again, we'll read about a person that believed. Acts chapter 8. Here's some evidence of faith. You know, some of the times when I see money and power, political stature, pride, it's going to be hard to persuade. When I see so many of the times you think about the Gentile nation, taking the word to the Gentile nation, you see someone who wants something better, and they will believe so many of the times. You don't have the, the pride problem. Read here, let's read Acts 8, 25 through 38. 
And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot red Esaias, the prophet. Then Peter, excuse me, then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture where, uh, which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before a shearer. So he opened up his mouth, what we read a moment ago. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, to be baptized of him. You know, when we read these scriptures, it is not a difficult thing to understand, is it? Prophesied in 53, Isaiah Christ taught that same thing. The disciples taught it. Here we see another instruction of it, and we see a man who trusted it, believed it, and had faith to that and obeyed the gospel. When we have evidence like this of faith, it's a good thing because we can help others uh, be influential for them to accept God's word. From these same scriptures that was taught thousands of years ago, do not neglect so great a salvation. You know, Hebrews 2 and 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which is at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So this confirmation continued, and it doesn't need for us also to neglect. It doesn't need to be that way. We do not want to neglect so great a salvation. It's a wonderful thing. It's a thing that we need in our lives. So trust man or God. Sometimes what happens is Satan gets busy when these things are going on in a man's heart thinking about obedience to Christ. Colossians 2 and 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, through vain deceit, lies, after the traditions of men, after rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We can see many times things got spoiled and we have a warning, beware. So we want to make sure that we read the truth, we read the scriptures, we look at those scriptures, we make a decision in our heart to obey him. Colossians 2 and 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith and the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. You know, when you think about this operation of God, we can see in the through faith, we can see again trust working. When we have trust in these words, you know, I can sit there and read uh, 
a book, and I'm like, that ain't right. Again, you get that, you know, I know what this says, so you go and look at this, and you can make a decision. You can have faith in that, can't you? That you know the knowledge of the truth. Spiritually, we can do that. And there's a lot of people that teach that you don't need Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who are not interested in your salvation, I can tell you that right now. There's a lot of folks who will, who will say that you don't need to be baptized. And we can go on and on and on and look at the, the, the things that we had a warning about a while ago of saying beware. But when we read these scriptures that says that we are buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith and the operation of God. If you have faith in that operation of God, we will be saved. And we will be raised from the dead. So who do we trust on this? God? I believe so. I believe that's who I'm going to trust. I think I'm going to go with God. And all in spite of everything that's going on, I am bullheaded that if this whole deal for all of us don't end well, and I really think it will, not 9-11 like the rest of the viruses in the past, I'm still okay. Because I'm going to rise. I'm going to rise and go to heaven. I'm going to be a lot happier. You know, Hong Kong flu in 1968-69 killed a lot of folks. Read up on this. I was trying to figure out this virus. I was reading all the H1N1, trying to figure out those numbers and everything. And I'm no doctor. I'm no, I can't read that and make heads or tails, but I know it's bad stuff. Hong Kong flu was bad. In 1968, they didn't practice social distancing. They did not. Matter of fact, they, they had Woodstock instead. <laughs> they thought there were going to be 30,000 people there. There was about 100 and something thousand. And it was right at the tail end of that Hong Kong flu, all bunched together. I, don't, I wouldn't want to have been there. I think the, the technology that's been used for this is, is a good thing. But here, in, in the matter of all things, is that, again, it ain't about Brit Doty. It's not about my opinion. It's not about that. It's still about, in all this, once it settles down during this course, is that we continue to trust God. Simply that. You know, if we trust God and continue and get through this, and all this thing kind of goes away, it's, there will be there probably will be something else that's going to challenge us, more than likely. And if it doesn't, that's fantastic. But let's continue to trust God. Continue to trust the faith and the operation of God. Trust the truth of the gospel. Colossians 1 and 5 says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. We have the gospel that we can trust and have the truth. And we need to continue to have hope in that. Have that hope that's laid up in heaven, brothers and sisters. Trust God to deliver us. 2 Corinthians 1 and 9 says, But we had the sentence. As Brandon very well said in the prayer, and I appreciate that prayer a moment ago, that we had a Savior who took care of us and bore that iniquity of our sins. It says here, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Not a good thing, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doeth deliver in whom we trust, 
and he will deliver us. The same attitude that Abraham had when he was asked to kill his child knew he's, that child would be raised up. When you're going to a cross and you never open your mouth, you knew God was going to raise you up. God will raise us up. It's a wonderful thing. And whatever happens in this lifetime, it does not matter. God will raise us up. I'm going to have faith in that. I'm going to trust in that. And I hope you do too. I hope those things are the things that we will take and put in our hearts and our minds. That trust. During these times, when things get kind of crazy and you're thinking all emotional and you've got those anxieties rolling around in your head, we're able to do that. We have that negative way of impacting and the suggestions that go in there to get us all tore up. Get us all tore up inside and in our mind. And it's hard just to kind of pull back and say, take a breath and say, I need to trust this. Sometimes we just don't do what really we need to do. And I'm, I'm going to say spiritually that God will deliver, deliver us. He, he's going to give us the strength to get through the things and the hard times of this lifetime. You know, when you think about trusting God, you trust also to be able to be delivered that we need to obey the gospel. We know that we have the gospel to obey. We know that we have faith in that and that we can confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we repent of that past life and we want to follow that, we learn from the Bible, too, that we are to be baptized. I hope the things that I have said today are of benefit for you. If there's one here today that would like to, to repent of their sins, if they felt like they have not uh, trusted in the Lord and they want to be stronger in that area and have thoughts that they would like to come forward and to repent of those things and help you to be stronger. There's brethren here who love you and want the best for you, will pray for you. There's one here today that would like to start their life as a Christian and to be baptized. What a wonderful thing. That makes the hair on my head stand up thinking about that. That is spiritual, and I know that our Heavenly Father will help you in your lifetime. When we choose that to obey the gospel, and we have people to help us to study and to see how we need to live this life and look at that word. It's a wonderful thing to say, I want to be a child of God. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.